Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Daily Drop podcast. Today, we have a real treat for you, not only because of the topic we are chatting about, which is what's in our wallets, which is a huge question that we get from you all, but we also have a special guest. So it's not just me. It's not just Mike. We've also got the amazing Tiffany here as well Ooh. from the Daily Drop team. Woo woo! Hey everyone, <laughs> nice to be here. I'm excited to chat about what's in our wallets. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation. So like I said, we get this question all the time. What is in our wallets? What are the cards that we're using day to day and why? So we're going to dive into this topic all three of us answering a few questions that we've laid out around this concept. And a quick disclaimer before we get into all of it, you'll, I think, see pretty quickly into this episode how dynamic and different and unique all of our wallets really are. And so I guess all that is just to say none of these are like the perfect wallet or like you need to rush and have your wallets matching one of our wallets because this is, of course, up to, you know, travel habits, travel circumstances, and so many other things at play. So we hope you just have a little fun with this episode with us and just see how how unique a travel, travel wallet really can get. Yeah. <clears throat> Good disclaimer, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> but before we talk about what cards are in our wallets, I want to know what kind of points we like to earn in the first place. So Tiffany, I'm going to kick it over to you to start. What is your favorite points family? I feel like my opinion might be the less popular one perhaps, but I actually Mm. really enjoy American Express membership rewards. I feel like Chase points are pretty popular out there, but, um, uh, which you'll see a handful of my cards. I use earn American Express points. I find I get a lot of value out of them. Also with Rakuten, right? Like getting membership mm. rewards through Rakuten. And there's also another reason why I tend to lean towards membership rewards points, a little scandalous, which I think I'll save for a bit later when we're talking about perhaps some cards we're looking at getting in the future. Okay. But Ooh, very nice. MX points. Very controversial opinion, <laughs> Tiffany. I like it. <laughs> Megan, how about you? I'm really excited for the scandalous opinion that's coming. Yeah, it's, it's a little scandalous, my situation, so. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm the cliche one in the room. I just love me some Chase Ultimate Rewards points. I can't help it. It's what I started travel hacking with. And since I started with those points, they have continued to give me, I would say like 90% or more of the redemptions that I've been able to get with miles and points. So they're just handy. They're my trusty chase points. They've got to stay as my favorite. Okay. Yeah, I I actually agree with both of you. So I I love chase points, but I think the reason I love chase points is because I recently recently like a year ago became a little Hyatt boy and I pretty much Mm -hmm. just think of my chase points as Hyatt points at this point I think what the points I use the most are American Express membership rewards and maybe those are also Mm -hmm. my favorite Um, like I love chase points because of Hyatt and because they you can cash them out um, 
for travel at 1.25 cents with the preferred or 1.5 cents with the reserve, which is really nice uh, and higher than most other banks' base value. So they're pretty flexible. But Amex points just have so many transfer partners, including some mm. obscure ones and some partners that no other banks have, like ANA. If you want to book the ANA around the world ticket, Amex points are, are your way there. If you want to use any of the like obscure airline programs that we talk about that sometimes have those really good kind of niche deals, Amex is usually the currency that's going to give you access to any of those. And so mm-hmm. I think for me, Amex is also just really valuable, especially as a Canadian, because Amex Canada is also like the only big sort of credit card miles and points player in Canada. So for me, playing on both sides of the border, that's sort of my go-to on both sides. Um, But let's talk about specific credit cards. What is one of the primary cards? We'll We'll start with one each primary cards in your wallet that you use the most often? What do you carry around every single day that you find yourself using for most things? Tiffany, I'll put it back to you first. Yeah, well, for me, I'd have to say the Capital One Venture X, um, just because of that 2X miles earned on literally everything. I buy a lot of random stuff. So anything on Amazon or cat food, I've got a lot of cats, um, <laughs> just anything that doesn't fit into any other sort of designated spending category, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is like my catch-all for everything. And I find that if I'm not doing something that is otherwise very specific or perhaps you know a flight booking, something like that, then everything is auto-paid to my VentureX. Um, it's just a great feeling when you can get 2X miles on something that just doesn't fit anywhere else. So I rack up a lot of Capital One miles that way. Yeah, that's a really nice, like easy setup to have where you don't need to, because a lot of cards have like pretty good 2X categories. Some of them have some 3X categories, but most of them, like most of people's everyday spend is just 1X. And so to have one card where you're just earning 2X across the board on everything is you're probably coming out further ahead than people who try to strategize and use like get three X on this purchase and two X on that purchase and et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I've got other cards that do have higher earning categories and use those appropriately, but it is just nice to have that catch all that Mm -hmm. no matter what, I know I'm at minimum always going to get two X. So yeah, Megan, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to see what you say. Am I only going to be able to pick one? Like, is this like one no, card? No, no, no. This okay, is just okay. to start off. All right, all right. Okay, well, to, you know, to start, yeah, I'll, I'm going to say the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Is that okay. what your guess was going to be? <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a trusty little card. Again, it's just, uh, it's it's seen me through this Miles and Points mm. journey. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's something I reach for definitely for dining, Mm-hmm. sometimes groceries, but I have another one in my wallet that gets, uh, yeah, Tiffany knows, uh, <laughs> gets precedence <laughs> over that. But yeah, it's it's one that stays top of mind. What yeah. about you, Mike? Um, well, I think a lot of the time it's the Chase Sapphire preferred, but for the sake of making this podcast episode <laughs> interesting... There's another card that I use a lot. Uh, it's a Canadian card. It's called the Cobalt card. Um, mm-hmm. It's from American I'm Express Canada. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I'm always jealous of that one. 
it's pretty crazy. It has a like a five, three, two, one spending setup. So you earn five X on all five X per Canadian dollar, which is like seven X per US dollar, roughly, yeah. on all quote unquote eats and drinks. So that's like restaurants, dining, groceries, bars, convenience stores, anything that has like something that you can eat and or drink at it, you earn five X per Canadian dollar, which is amazing because the card has the equivalent of like maybe a 120 us dollar annual fee split up into monthly fees so you don't even have to pay the whole thing at once it, it just feels very good uh, and then you earn like 3x on streaming uh, 2x on travel 1x on everything else and because it's american express you get access to transfer partners which for canadian cards is pretty rare so it's just like an all-around awesome like workhorse card if you just use that card on everything you're probably going to without even having to put in any work or think about anything, rack up quite a few points. The only downside is that it does have foreign transaction fees. And so when I'm traveling, I don't use that. Um, I stick to my other cards, uh, my U.S. cards. But in Canada, it's pretty much as good as it gets. So it's hard to argue with that. Okay, continuing on the card train, what is your favorite co-branded card or which co-branded card would you say you use the most tiffany so yeah for me this is actually an area where i want to expand my card portfolio in a bit more Um, i want to get more into the hotel space and i feel like my strategy strategies in the past just haven't been as strong there so but i think the card i do use the most is the marriott bonvoy bevy which I don't Ooh. think is the best Marriott card, but at the time it made sense for me because it had a massive like 175k bonus, and I am most loyal to Marriott, and I do get some nice perks with it, right? Like the I think it's 18.5, you know, points. But I mean, it is a nice card, and because I do travel probably more than the average American, I do get a lot of use out of it, and so that kind of mid tier like 250 annual fee doesn't hurt me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are different or there's better Marriott cards on the market, but I do tend to use that most for when I'm traveling and staying with Marriott. I like so. that. I like that. It sparked Mike's Marriott excitement. He was like, Ooh, <laughs> tell me more. Well, I love how you get like, you knew you gave the caveat. You're like, but, but, but I don't think this is the best Marriott card. Just had a good sign up bonus. <laughs> Cause yeah. I was surprised. I was expecting you to say the brilliant or the boundless or, because the bevy, am I mistaken in that that does not come with an annual free night award? Just you for paying the spend, annual fee? No. So you have to spend $15,000 a year, which is one thing that for like a mid-tiered card like that is missing in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, like because the $95 version yeah. does come with an annual free night. That's always the weird thing with the bevy and the the bountiful like the chase and amex versions amex of versions. like the 250 dollar yeah. cards they don't come with free nights it's very it's a weird choice yeah but so it, them, it's I still think. right it still does me good but that's just something i'm kind of playing with like how mm-hmm. am i going to you know better monopolize or strategize for hotel co-branded cards but for right now that that is the one that i get a lot of use out of and you know it works for me and my travel habits Nice. And you, one of the cool benefits of that, I think, is that you get like a thousand bonus points per, per stay, stay or, ni- or per night. I'm I trying to remember it, now. It might I th- be 
I don't remember, but it, that's a pretty solid, if you're it's, staying a lot at Marriott's, like for me, the amount of nights I spend at Marriott a year, that would actually be meaningful. That would be a meaningful number of bonus points. Yeah. And it does give me gold elite status, which I do also get with my MX Platinum, which surprise is another card I have. But um, this one also gives me 15 elite nights, you know, per year that gets me closer to platinum. So instead of having to stay 50 nights, I, I'm only at 35, which for me is usually pretty easy to do. So again, it's just another, another thing that I, I can utilize. Nice. <clears throat> Megan, co-branded cards. Yeah, I think I said this like two episodes ago, but my favorite is the World of Hyatt card. Uh, this is another one I've just I've had in my wallet for a while, and Hyatt has won my heart and also pairs really nicely with my favorite points family. So, plus speaking of ninety five dollar cards with um, free nights annually, mm -hmm. this one gives me that, and it's wonderful to be able to use that and pair it with my chase points with Hyatt. So it's, it's here to stay in my wallet. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. Well, for me, I, I don't know. There are two that really come to mind. Uh, like you guys, I, they're both hotel cards. Mm. The, the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless. I can't remember all of the names. The, Bonvoy Boundless, <laughs> the, the chase card with the $95 annual fee is one of my go-tos because I also spend a lot of nights at Marriott and I actually don't own the Bonvoy Brilliant, like the most premium Marriott card from Amex, the one with like the $695 mm -hmm. annual fee because I like, I think the big perk on that one is that you get automatic platinum status, but I, I'm already almost at platinum status. I always get platinum status by like March of every year, uh, just like organically. <laughs> through Marriott yeah. without any card. And so I, I just don't need like a premium card with all of those perks because I'll get them anyways through elite status. So I like this $95 card that has like solid earning rates, comes with an annual free night that just pays for itself, but pays for the annual fee of the card easily for me because I travel internationally so much. It's very easy to like use a free night award at a Ritz Carlton or a St. Regis and just get so much value right away. But I think my favorite co-branded card recently has been the IHG Premier card. Mm, it's a good one. It's good so one. cool. It's such a cool card. Like it has so many little unique hidden perks. Like um, every you get every fourth night free if you have that card uh, and you use points at IHG. And I'm using that literally right now. Like here in Bali, the hotel I'm staying at is an IHG property. Four nights, paid for three, right on the beach. Like beautiful hotel. And it comes also with an annual free night award worth 40,000 points. But with IHG, you can top up your free nights with an unlimited amount of points. So if you find like a really nice like uh, what like a Barrow Star Hotel or Six Senses, like one of those really top-notch luxury mm -hmm. IHG properties, you can still use this free night award to just shave 40,000 points off of that price. So it's a really versatile free night award and the card is only $99 comes with $50 of United travel bank credit every year, just kind of yeah. random, but like that's easy <laughs> for me to use because I can use that on like air Canada flights. I can, because they're both star Alliance, I can book like air Canada flights through United and um yeah, so it's just a great card with a reasonable annual fee, really meaningful perks, free night award. It's hard to argue with it. And the earning rates when you're at IHG 
is like 26 points per dollar because it gives you platinum elite status plus uh the member rates plus the the 10x on the card so it's yeah it's my, been my favorite recently it's um, a solid that's, choice yeah i was gonna say that's actually a card a hotel card that i am looking at getting i've been very interested in it so yeah it's high on the i list. mean right now the <laughs> The welcome offer is like 165, I think, 165,000 points. So that's yep. pretty close to the all-time high. I think when I signed mm-hmm. up, it was 175, and that was amazing. So yeah. highly recommend. Speaking of new cards that we all want to sign up for, uh, Tiffany, I'm going to toss this over to you again first. How do you approach finding new cards to sign up for? What are some of the things you think about when you sign up for a new card? Do you look for the card first? Are there certain things that lead you to sign up for a card? Just how do you approach it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not a big card churner. So I am very thoughtful and meticulous uh, when it comes to choosing a new card. And I usually frame that around um, a large expense that I know I, I'm going to make. Um, I, it's usually, you know, a couple a year, whether it's new skiing equipment or cycling equipment or a kitchen renovation or whatever it might be. If I know I'm already going to have to spend two, three, four thousand, whatever it is, dollars, I'm going to look for a card so I can get that sign up bonus almost instantly. It's just such a satisfying thing to be able to hit that and know those points are making their way over to you versus, um, you know, getting a card and then just slowly working towards that bonus over three or four or five months. Um, so I usually tend to, to start to look at cards when I know that I'm going to have a large purchase, um, versus just kind of randomly signing up for them. Of course, unless there's a really good sign up bonus, um, you know, that comes along, but I usually center that around when I already know I'm going to be making a large purchase. Yeah, that, that's a great strategy, I think, especially for people with families, people with pets, people with things that often can cost a lot of money and come with large uh, some expenses, then that's a great way to approach it. Just like have have some cards that you're thinking about getting and then when the time is right and you can just meet that minimum spend, boom, you can just take care of it. Megan, how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty similar to Tiffany in that I'm not a huge churner. Like I like prefer to have cards that I can maximize everyday expenses on and like really play the long game with it. One thing I do is I travel hack in two player mode and uh, because of our travel style and uh, because neither of us like to churn a bunch of cards, we'll kind of alternate who is more new card heavy each year. So we're just kind of like playing the long game, not just within our own strategy, but within our two player itself. So like we're alternating who's getting the referral bonuses. We're alternating who's getting the new cards and that just works really well for us. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Uh, Travel hacking in two player mode, by the way, we have an article about that on daily drop so we can put a link to that in the show notes if you have a significant other if you have you know friends family who also like to play this game then you can really maximize the points but yeah playing in two-player mode is a great great strategy so we'll leave a link to that article in the show notes uh yeah i like to bring up that like sorry mike i know you have you have a cool strategy to throw in here too but (laughs) 
Not really, but I like to bring up the long game as element of it because I feel mm. like sometimes people think about two player mode and they're like, oh, I have to like earn the sign up bonus and then refer and then earn the sign up bonus and then refer. And like it actually can be like a little more spread out, like the referral bonuses totally. aren't going anywhere. So, yep, that's a great point. That in there. <laughs> and I think in the end, playing the long game is going to be better anyways it's just it's better for your relationship with the banks it's going to be better for your credit score it's going to be better for just like building a more sustainable strategy and if you just only play the game thinking about i'm going to get a huge sign up bonus and then spend the whole thing Mm -hmm. sure you can do that for a a pretty long time but it's not the best way to approach it the banks might not like you people get shut down for for churning cards like that all the time so it's better to come up with the with more sustainable strategies like the ones both of you just mentioned. And I I also am not a churner at all. I have never really churned cards and at this point, maybe in the last twelve months I've only signed up for like one or two new new cards. It's just I rarely sign up for new cards these days. And I think for me I build my strategy around like unique ways to earn lots of points and then also spending my points sparingly. So I'm like very meticulous. Like I think a lot before I use points for a redemption. Like I really look into all avenues of like, can I use cash for this so that these points can be better used in another way? I, I really think about that. I like budget my points pretty well. So I'll always, especially with like hotel points, I'm always looking for the hotels that cost 5,000 points a night instead of 50,000 points a night, for example. And for me, that means that I don't need to strategize that much. I don't need to sign up for tons of new cards. I don't need to think too much about earning uh, points because I'm, I'm really highly focused on spending them. Having said that, I'm also really, really annoying with my friends about like earning points they just know that if they have a big purchase to give it to me because i'll earn points and then take them on a trip at some point in the future so i have a lot of friends who will come to me and be like oh like i'm going to this bachelor party with my friends we need to buy like this twenty thousand dollar villa for 10 people in some random place like do you want to put it on your card because they know that like six months later, maybe I'll take them to somewhere cool with me. And so I just like my friends kind of know that I am this big points person and really help me out in that way. But I also kind of pester them about it. And occasionally I'll do something like that with a, with a credit card sign up bonus as well. Um, like if I have a big purchase or if I know somebody who has a big purchase, I'll be like, Hey, give me that big purchase. And uh, I can, I can help you out down the road. So Yeah. I think we all have some good longer term strategies here instead of just churning and churning by the way is just when you sign up for a card for the sign up bonus, keep it open for like one year and then close it and then do the same thing with another card and do that like five times a year. And mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not great. Uh, not the best strategy. Yeah. I'm glad you defined that. And also are you taking applications to be your friend? Um, it's, there's a long lineup right now, so I'll, I can add you to the wait list. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. Let's move on. Ooh. Okay. Do y'all have any miles and points and credit card goals for 2024? We're already a couple months into the year, but 
anything you're you're thinking about any changes to your points and miles strategy any specific cards maybe you're looking at um, any travel goals tiffany yeah well a goal in general is to use more of my points because i do hoard them and i just mm. like opening an account and seeing six figures of, you know, points in there. And it just hurts my heart a little bit when I do use them in like a weird way. Like it's great mm -hmm. that I get redemptions, but I'm just like, oh, you know, that's 30,000 points that, you know, for this like amazing flight, but still. So I, I, I do want to use more points, but my biggest goal. And so this is where I have a bit of a scandal Ooh. in, in the travel hacking world. I do not have the Chase Sapphire preferred card. And I feel like that's going to break, <laughs> break our travel hacking community. The story with this is I did have it over five years ago. It was one of my first cards, but when I was new, I made a lot of mistakes. And one of those mistakes was closing my Chase Sapphire preferred card before I applied for another credit card because I didn't know any better. I thought, I needed to close a card. And this is like brand new to travel hack and didn't have any, you know, resources guide. So I closed my Chase Sapphire preferred card. Do not do what I do, what I did, listeners, anyone. Um, but since it's been well over 48 months at this point, I'm actually looking to reapply for the Chase Sapphire preferred and have that in my portfolio, which is another reason why Amex points have been my big hitter because I haven't had a solid card that earns me chase points in a long while, in a hot minute. And part of that too was burning through my 524 as a newbie and not before I even knew the 524 rule, the chase 524 rule. So, but now that I'm past, I've been past the 48 months for a bit and so I'm just sitting and waiting, hoping that the preferred is going to have an elevated, you know, welcome offer again this year, um, which is why I'm also holding out. Yeah, I'm getting um, like the IHG premiere because I'd rather get the Sapphire before I get, you know, the IHG card. So, yeah, I feel like I just like got the biggest like weight off my shoulders. <laughs> Well, we forgive you, first of all. <clears throat> I'm a little upset. It's, Thank you. But, but it's okay. I'll get over it eventually. No, but that's actually a really good point, though, because, yeah, like you said, don't do this, don't do what I did. But at the same time, now you're going to get two welcome offers on the same card, yeah. the Chase Sapphire Preferred. That's not a bad thing at all, especially yeah. because, like, a little less than a year ago, it was up to 90,000 and 100,000 points for the Chase Sapphire Preferred probably going to happen again within the next couple months i'd say so not a bad position to be in at all right hopefully it'll be worth the wait and i still and i think that's also a good lesson to you that i think probably all of us have made some bad mistakes in the beginning when we were just starting out it's almost like a rite of passage i feel like but i also think there's a lot of there's a lot more resources today and creators that are making content around educating people whereas like five six years ago at least to me it was not just being pushed out so much or just as accessible yeah. um but you know i still i got I've made so many redemptions. I still have come out ahead. It's like, you know, you can recover even if you make perhaps one of the most devastating mistakes. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm super excited that I think I'm going to reapply for the Chiefs of our preferred card this year. So that's like my big, my big credit card goal. Very I, exciting. I love the dramatic dramatization of the. <laughs> yeah, like the scandal. I was like, did you get in a fight with a bank or something? Like, yeah, you, yeah. Just, like, get out of prison or something, and we don't know. And like. <laughs> And we're just learning now on the podcast. Robbed the Chase Bank six years ago, and <laughs> I don't. Know. I, was, I was curious, but but what you said was way worse than any of those. Any preferred. So. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> That's why I think it's so funny being, you know, like a pro travel hacker, and I feel like people look up and read our, you know, all the content we put out. And so I've been holding this like scandalous secret, and um, it's now yeah. out in the open, and I'm super excited to re get the card like five years later so <laughs> and that's a really good point just in general too and megan i think we're on top of this but we all have made mistakes travel oh, yeah. hacking not just with credit cards but everything points miles redemptions travel credit cards and we're going to do an episode about that soon a podcast episode where we're just going to tell you all the stupid things that we've done and mistakes we've made so <laughs> tiffany yeah. you're not the only one <laughs> and other people yeah. out there you're also not the only ones maybe we'll bring tiffany back for the episode maybe she has other scandals up her sleeve yeah i'm <laughs> curious now well I, I have a lot of dumb mistakes and dumb cards that i open so yeah there's, <laughs> there's plenty as long as to none share. of them were the were the disney card then all is forgiven no oh. i can proudly say i have not nor will i ever um open a disney card so amen to that <laughs> okay megan <laughs> uh goals for this year okay goals for this year as i recover from this sapphire preferred drama um okay my 2024 goals i don't have plans of opening any new cards i said that in december to myself and i'm already regretting it <laughs> with some of the yeah. elevated offers that are out right now but like i said a little bit ago like i or I just agreed with Tiffany's point. I tend to not open cards unless I have a really big expense. Um, and we planned a wedding last year. So we're kind of like good on big expenses happening this year at all. <laughs> so no big plans on new cards. Nothing I have my eye on as enticing as all of the elevated offers out there are right now. Um my random goal is I want to earn 100,000 built points for mm. no other reason than I just want to see how easy or hard it is. I okay. just curious to see if there's any secrets or tricks that I learned along the way. And I just have my, my sight set on that for some reason. No idea. We'll see how it plays That's out. Awesome. See if there's anything fun to share. <laughs> yeah. Keep us posted on that. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and redemption. So Megan, do you? Yeah. Sorry, do you have the actual built card? I do. I do you have do. the built okay. card, and I just feel like there's so many like little mini, t like hacks that they just kind of like plant along the way. I'm just, I'm just curious to see what I can do with it. It's certainly a good program to have a hundred thousand points with because of those rent day mm -hmm. promos. Like if you just have yeah. a bank of built points, that's going to be amazing. Just anytime there's a hundred fifty percent transfer bonus to. Yeah. Virgin or Emirates or Hyatt or Aeroplan, like you'll be, you'll just multiply those points very quickly. It's like almost yeah. earning interest on on points. Yeah, yeah. Virgin Atlantic redemptions are my love language. So, 
not a bad place to be. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and it's it's very strange because I'm the total opposite of you all. I am not a points hoarder. I'm like, take all my points, I'll earn more. But for some reason, just have my my sights set on just keeping these 100,000 built points in my account. I don't know. Nice. What about you, Mike? Anything that's going to blow our minds? Yeah, I don't have a ton of specific miles and points goals for this year. I think like Tiffany, one of my goals is to redeem a bunch of points. I also have a bad habit of hoarding points or thinking too much when I'm making redemptions of like, oh, this isn't a good value. So maybe I should just use cash instead of points. But I have like millions of points. So who cares? I should just be using them. Uh, So I definitely want to spend more points. This is a redeeming year for me, whereas last year was a an earning year, I think. But also, I think in general with travel, for me, I'm just trying to kind of chill out a little bit. Last year was crazy. I uh, got really into all of the travel hacking and miles and points deals and things that I was writing about in Daily Drop and ended up seeing a lot of the world, like more than 50 countries in one year, which was amazing, but also exhausting. And so this year, my goal is to slow down, not necessarily travel less for less time but extend my travel uh instead of moving around quite so much so like this trip that i'm on right now i've been here for in southeast asia for like two months and it's been really great to to slow down so i'm trying to use my miles and points for that type of more extended drawn out stay and then i just have some specific uh trips later in the year my my best friend's getting married in tanzania where he lives i'm going to syria in a couple months, which will be very weird. Uh, And some really interesting types of trips like that, where miles and points are definitely going to play a role. So we'll see. Moving on. (laughs) The question that a lot of people want to know, we talk about credit cards all the time. People probably assume correctly that the three of us have probably a lot of credit cards each. But what if somebody doesn't want to have 20 or 40 or 50 cards open under their name? What if somebody just wants three solid credit cards? If you had to pick three cards and only three cards to have, which ones would they be? Tiffany, don't think about it. Just go. Ah, Okay. Um, Because I do travel a fair amount for me, I'm going to go with the Amex Platinum for lounge access and 5X miles paid directly on flights. When I am doing cash, the Amex Gold for food, groceries, dining, a girl's got to eat. Um, and then the Venture X, like I mentioned earlier, um, for that 2X to kind of catch everything else that doesn't fit into another category. Very nice. Megan, go. Solid stack. All right. Mine would be the Chase Sapphire Preferred, the, no surprise, the Ink Business Cash or Ink Business Unlimited. They are both $0 annual fee. So if you want to sneak four cards in here, I mean... Why not? (laughs) But having those uh, two together, I feel like just gives you a solid um, way to earn those flexible travel points, transferable travel points, that is. And then my third would be the Venture X. And I mean, one for the same reason that Tiffany just shared with the two X on all other purchases, but also the way you can offset travel purchases with the Venture X. I just feel like the pairing of the chase family with venture x points gives you a lot of redemption options and just to clarify for 
listeners slash viewers, mm. why does the Sapphire Preferred go well with the ink cards? Why is that a good pairing? Yeah, so if you have just the ink cards alone, they're only cash back. But if you pair them with a Sapphire, then it becomes fully transferable travel points. And those ink cards usually have some pretty solid welcome offers. So you can stack mm -hmm. up a lot of chase points. Yes, exactly. So 1% cash back turns into one ultimate reward point, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep. Very nice. What about um, yours? For me, I'm going to mix it up just to keep things interesting. I'm going to say the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which oh, of course you are. I <laughs> recently upgraded my preferred to, as oh, we did, talked about in the it. very first episode of this podcast months ago. I did it. I'm going to go with that. The uh, Cobalt card that I referenced earlier, uh, Canadian card. And another Canadian mm -hmm. card, the Aeroplan Reserve card, which is like mm -hmm. the top tier, like black metal, big, loud uh, airline, mm -hmm. premium airline card in Canada. The reason I am going with that is because, like I said, the Cobalt card is just a huge earner, just racking up tons of points. The Sapphire Reserve gives me lounge access, uh, mm -hmm. priority pass lounge access and priority pass restaurants one of the only cards with unlimited lounge access that also lets you use Priority Pass restaurants, which is a huge uh, perk. It has amazing insurance. It earns ultimate rewards. And the redemption value in the portal is 1.5 cents per point. So a lot of flexibility, good insurance, lounge access, heavy earning points with the Cobalt card, and then a card that gives me tons of premium perks with the airline I fly the mm -hmm. most, Air Canada, and earns me Aeroplan points, which is the points I use most often, and the base earning rate on the Aeroplan Reserve card is 1.25x per Canadian dollar, which is pretty darn close to about 2x per US dollar. So again, it, it gives me that sort of base higher earning rate for all non-categorized spend. You're the only one that threw a co-branded card into the mix. I know. I had to, That's true. Had to keep, keep things interesting here. Okay. <laughs> so now to finish up, we had a lot of questions from the Daily Drop Lounge, which... If you're not already in, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. But when we told people we, we were going to do an episode like this, we asked people to send us some questions. And so for each of us, we will answer one question that came from the lounge, starting with Tiffany. Question from the lounge. What airline travel card would you go after first if you already had quite a few of the major bank cards? Yeah, Um this one, I mean, it, it varies wildly by person, I think. I don't know if I can, you know, recommend a single card, but what I would consider is you should ask yourself some things. So do you already have a preference for an airline that you fly or you would fly? Is your home airport a major hub for a particular airline? I feel like that's going to be a big part in choosing what airline and what co-branded card you, you know, want to get on board with. Um, and then some other things about what you care about most when it comes to airline perks. So do you want elite status? Do you want a free check bag? Do you want high earning rates? If you are paying cash to book flights with that airline. So there's a lot of the airlines have different levels or different tiers of cards that will offer different perks. So depending how much you might want to pay in it, uh, an annual fees a year versus what perks you want to get with that airline, I think once you kind of ask yourself some of those questions, you'll have a pretty good idea, hopefully, of then, you know, what card could be your best fit. It's a great answer. Very helpful. But I got to know, which one 
would you pick? <laughs> well, one card that I do have that I've actually gotten quite a bit of use out of um, is the United Explorer card. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was it's just a, it's a good 95 annual fee card. It's got some nice, you know, earning structure with it. It's nothing too fancy. Um, but it's been one that I've had in my wallet for a very long time. And, you know, it was the card that I used to make my first business class redemption in United Polaris to fly to Europe, which was just amazing. And yeah, I, it's just kind of an oldie but goodie that I've had. Nice. That's great. Okay. Megan, your question. I keep a handful of cards in my wallet as my day-to-day spenders, depending on earning rates, but I have a stack that I don't use or carry with me. Will the banks close them if there's no activity? Should I pull them out every few months or once a year and use them for little purchases? Awesome. Great question. Um, so it's pretty straightforward-ish answer. Banks will close cards due to inactivity and some of them will do it without any warning. So I would recommend just pulling these cards out a couple of months, using them maybe um putting an auto pay or something on them, and then just making sure you're paying the balance off once your statement posts, of course. Um, If you do have a card that's closed due to inactivity and you act super fast on it, some banks, I guess this is where it's a simple-ish answer, some banks will reinstate your account. It's definitely an exception, not a rule. Um, But I think overall, the most important thing is to just keep keep track of what's in your wallet. Uh, whether you just keep a really simple spreadsheet or Mike made a really awesome epic spreadsheet that we'll link in the show notes as a resource for you to turn to as well. Um, But if you just keep a simple spreadsheet or whatever way you choose to track, uh, track the spending categories that they have, track the open date, and then just track what cards you have to make sure that you're not getting one shut down due to inactivity. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I think also like for what I do personally, mm-hmm. I have tons of like little random monthly expenses for like apps or programs mm-hmm. or something that I use. And so what I do is my oldest card that's open, it's a $0 annual fee card. It's bad. I don't use it. There's like no good thing I can do with it other than just keep it open as long as possible. So what I do is I have, um, I pay for like Google storage um it's like i don't remember how much storage but it costs like a dollar and 39 cents a month Mm -hmm. i just have that (laughs) payment automatically charged to that oldest zero dollar credit card every single month and then auto pay set up so every month there's at least one dollar going on it i'm not missing out on any points i don't ever have to think about it it always gets paid off on its own and it'll just continue that way forever and so if you have little expenses like that where you can set up just put like a few dollars on each card automatically, just like a one or two or $3 payment on like each of your cards that you don't really think about that much. That's also a good way to not have to think about it and just leave them in the sock drawer indefinitely. Yeah, that is an easy way to think about it. Mike, I realize you're going to have to ask your question to yourself and answer it as yourself because I don't have it written down. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll uh, play the Make it dynamic. interviewer and interviewee. <laughs> So, Michael, first of all, you're really cool. We love you. Second of all, when you have multiple cards in the same family, such as four different Marriott cards, how do you decide which to use when you stay there? Oh, great question, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, There are a few things that I consider with this. And so I've referenced a number of times that I have a bunch of Marriott co-branded credit cards. So that's why this person asked that. I think, first of all, 
if I'm working on a sign-up bonus for a card, that's always going to be the card I use uh, for anything, including staying at Marriott's, uh, just because it's the most important uh, <clears throat> spend. Uh, it's the most important rewards that I'm going to get because essentially a sign-up bonus equates to like 10x or 15x per dollar in the end if you think about how many points you're going to earn from the spend you put on the card. And so earning rates and things like that don't really matter to me at first. Second of all, if I'm not working on a sign-up bonus, it'll always be whichever card earns the most points. So some of some Marriott cards have different earning rates, like I have Canadian Marriott cards and US Marriott cards. And so I'll always go with the one that has the highest earning rate at Marriott. Another thing I consider is insurance. So we don't talk about hotel insurance a lot, but a lot of hotel co-branded credit cards do come with like hotel burglary insurance and some things that are worth considering when you're spending money at a hotel and just a little bit of extra peace of mind. And that's something I also definitely consider. But I think one of the most important things I also think about is other spending incentives on the cards. So um, earlier, Tiffany mentioned that one of her Marriott cards has a free night award when you spend $15,000 on the card in a year. Lots of hotel co-branded credit cards have this. So the Hyatt card has that. A couple of Marriott cards have that. The Hilton Surpass has that. And so if if you have multiple co-branded cards in the same family and you're not working on a sign-up bonus and maybe most other things are equal, you're always going to want to put spend not just at the hotel chain but even like daily spend so i'm always aware of those things because in a calendar year maybe one card might earn like an extra point per dollar when staying at hilton or marriott but in the end that free night award is going to be way more valuable than the incremental points you might earn most of the time from those extra that extra point or two per dollar in my opinion and so i'm always going to go after those extra spending incentives the free night awards and think about the other um aspects of it after that Excellent interviewing of yourself, Mike. Thank you. This was so fun. I feel like I've learned a bunch and I feel like I have so many other thoughts that I could just keep jamming out on for like hours here. We I think definitely... we could all talk about credit cards for a lot longer than this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's it's very true. It's very true. So Yeah, let us know uh, after you've listened to the episode if you uh, want us to do another Ask Us Anything session. I feel like uh, even just jamming out on some questions uh, between the three of us could be a pretty fun episode. So let us know over at podcast at dailydrop.com what questions you want us to answer next. And we will convince Tiffany to come join us for another podcast jam session. Hopefully she will want to join us after this one, because I don't know if you all have noticed, but you might have noticed that we are maybe some of us in different locations, maybe some of us looking a little bit different throughout this episode. It's kind of like an I spy of podcasts if you are watching this on the YouTube. And I don't know, let's make it a little game. How many differences did you see throughout this entire episode? (laughs) We definitely didn't record this in four separate sessions, and it's definitely not all my fault. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, as always, we're so grateful you spent time with us today. Uh, Do leave us a review. Give Tiffany a shout out in your review as well. You can do that over on your favorite listening platform. 
or come tell us over in the Daily Drop Lounge, which Mike shouted out earlier and will be linked up in the show notes. But for now, we will call it a wrap and we'll see you next episode, friends. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.